You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. So before uh, the service began this morning, those in leadership, we, we gathered on the side of the stage here and we had, we had prayer together that God would speak through us and that God would use us this morning. And that's exactly what he did. And I'm so thankful for SJ and his resurrection story this morning, letting God speak through him. To be honest with you, he was nervous about that up until probably right before he walked up here. And he spoke through Marty as she delivered that anointed prayer. He spoke through Sandra as she delivered the scripture this morning from Timothy. He spoke through our worship team. He sang through our worship team. He played through our worship team. And as we were singing that song like an anthem, because we believe that the worship team just led us through, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Christ the Son, we believe in the Holy Bible, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We are the church and we stand as one. We believe in the resurrection. We believe. And that's something that we all have in common, no matter what generation we're a part of. We believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the truth of the gospel. And we believe that we need to share the gospel with others. So last weekend, we were actually going to have an evangelism training event for like two weekends. And I prayed about that, and I said, you know, Lord, I know our congregation. They're not going to want to go back out on a Saturday evening when they've got other things to do to do an evangelism training. I didn't want to do it either. He said, why don't you do it when you have a captive audience? I said, how about that? Voila! So we have a beautiful dry erase board. It's not a smart board. These teachers have it made today with the smart board. Now, one of them told me she had it for six years in her classroom, and she still hadn't learned how to use it yet. She's of a different generation. She's an older teacher. The younger teachers, that's what they use, man. They use the smart board. And I'm going to use it in a few moments, and I'll move this down so... I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I'll just, I'll just go with the flow like Doug does a lot of times. You know, just go with the flow. So I'm going to use that, but not right now. You're going to be really glad you're here today. And for those that aren't here, hopefully you're watching. I want you to share what you learned today because I have really learned a lot preparing for this today. And this isn't just all me, folks. I am, I'm fortunate that I glean so much from a lot of wise pastors and teachers and influencers and so I go and I sit under the feet of some amazing teachers and people that have been in the church for a long time, church planters. I go and audit classes. You're like, who has time for that? I go and audit classes in a DMIN program um, just so I can learn more about what's going on in our culture. And so this is some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that I've, I've um, experienced working with multi-generations for decades being in youth ministry still to this day. So I used to be an official youth minister for nearly 20 years, and now I'm a senior pastor still doing youth ministry as well. We're having the youth at our home tonight. We'll have like 20, 25 young people, even on spring break, folks. It's amazing what God is doing in our youth group. And they're on this journey of faith is what it's called. And tonight they're going to have a little more fun than they normally do. We're going to have a cookout, and they're going to watch the movie Overcomer. Have you seen that movie? It is fabulous. And we're going to talk about overcoming things in our lives. We're going to learn how with God that we get to and we want to grow in this life. Steve Harvey had a recent talk, and he did this literally on the Family Feud. You ever watch the Family Feud? He was telling folks it's about the attitude we have. He said, you can say when you get up in the morning, oh, i got to get up. Oh, i got to go to work. Oh, i got to finish this homework. Oh, i got to do this. i got to do this. And he says, you know, you can change one word and be more positive. I get to. I get to get up. I get to go to work. I get to take the kids to school. I get to go to lacrosse practice. I get to go lead a service for the senior adults at the mansions. When it's a get to, you're more invested. When it's a got to or have to, it's, you know what I'm talking about. I doubt very few of you in here this morning said, and if you did, let's talk afterwards, I got to go to church this morning. Or I have to go to church. There's a young man, I'm not going to point him out, but he's a teenager. 
He just happens to be a freshman at Wesleyan School. You've already figured it out. <laughs> Last week, he told his mom in the car, he said, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait to go to Sunday school. I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to go to youth group. Folks, that's huge. You're going to understand why that's huge in just a few moments. So the divisions in our country are great today. A lot of divisions. And not just between political parties, even though there's a lot of that going on. What divides America most, said a recent Time Magazine article, isn't race, gender, geography, or ideology. It's the year we were born. That's what divides us most, the year that we were born. The biggest gap between us is the generation gap. An extensive new Pew Research Center poll found that today we have the largest generation gap since 1972. That's 49 years ago, folks. The sheer numbers of people in the, the middle generation, baby boomers and Gen Xers, creates a demographic chasm between the silent generation. Do you know who the silent generation is? I met a member of the silent generation in Columbus this past weekend. She's 88 years old. She's sitting here, and she is knitting this wonderful blanket. She's 88. And then there is an 18-year-old sitting on this couch next to her. The 18-year-old is totally on this. The 88-year-old is knitting. There's a big difference right there in generations, right? You know what I'm saying? And so the silent generation is those that are over 65, and the millennials, 18 to 30-year-olds, okay? Across the street right now, there's a church pretty full of millennials, 18 to 30-year-olds. This survey revealed that the youngest and oldest generations have strikingly different views on everything from how they feel about the Internet. The 88-year-old said she had never been on the Internet. She had a cell phone, but she still did not have, know how to use it, and she did not know what an app was. But she had a nice cell phone. It's like the new 13, you know what I'm saying? It was green, which is rare. That's the newest iPhone. Have you seen that thing? She has one. Her daughter bought it for her. Her granddaughter picked it out. So there you go. How about that? Isn't that something? So the survey revealed several things. that, that strikely, these, these generations differ strikingly on everything, pretty much, about the Internet, about the government, how they'll vote, the economy, the church, uh, interracial marriages same-sex unions, and so on. And it just so happened, I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and mainly the, the reason I'm on social media is to promote the church. If, you, if you're on social media, you see that. A lot of what I put on there is about Misty Creek. And my nephew, who is in his early 20s, he graduated Clemson, he's an engineer in Greenville, South Carolina, he gave me the biggest compliment. He said, you guys, Pastor Stephen, he didn't call me Pastor Stephen, I'm his uncle. Uncle Stephen, you guys have the most amazing presence on social media. I said, well, you can thank Carl Culpepper for a lot of that because he does a lot of it for us. But we do. We have a really good presence on social media, and he thinks we're doing a great job with that. And he's a good one to gauge that because he's, he's a millennial, pretty much. And so there's a story on Instagram um, several months ago from a 26-year-old woman. This is what she says. Listen closely. Today, release last year to God with a thankful heart of worship. She posted this about January, and I just saw it the other day. She says, Today, release last year to God with a thankful heart of worship. Dedicate the coming year into His hands and prayerfully place all of your desires and needs for this year underneath His Lordship. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is from a young woman who in her comments says, I want to be married. A lot of 26-year-old women out there want to be married. You know what I'm saying? She's had some employment issues and some health issues. She has a concern about what her future holds. She is saying that if you dedicate your life and desires before God, He will never fail you. When I read this, I thought about my own children and how I'm humbled to be their father and to witness their love for Jesus. And it's an humbling thing to witness that. And it just so happens that I have both my children here today, which is unusual because Melody is one of the children's coordinators at Dahlonega First Methodist. So she's usually working on Sundays, but she got off today so she could be here. 
I have such a sense of gratitude because I think to myself, how did they acquire such faith? And you're like, well, you're a pastor. How could they not? But many times it's not as easy as you think just because you're a PK. I remember when they were infants. You come home from the hospital and you wonder how they let you do that without a license. (laughs) I mean, really, I had no clue what I was supposed to do. Nobody really gave you an instruction manual for this. And so we come home, you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea how to care for that child. I may be smiling, but I'm exhausted, and I do not feel qualified to do this. That's what I would be saying in that picture. You can go to the next if you like to. Um, That's Melody. So you have no idea what you're doing. And during during their elementary years, um, we abruptly moved our, our children. They didn't know what we were doing. Matter of fact, we move when you don't normally move. Um, you normally, if you move when you're an itinerant pastor, you know you're going to move usually around February. We found out at the end of May, and we moved in early June. So there was not a lot of time for us to move. So that was a shock for our children, a shock for my wife, and it was a shock for me as well. And we went to a very rural area after being in Dunwoody for nine years. We moved to the country, which is where I'm from, by the way. I'm just a good old boy. Some would say a redneck hick, and I still am. And you know that. You've figured that out by now. Don't let this North Face fool you, folks. I got it on sale, okay? (laughs) And this shirt, my dad got it for $7. Thank you so much. Okay, let's keep going. I've had the same shoes on. They're tearing apart. For six years. I don't like to buy anything new. I'm just that way. I grew up that way. It's a generational thing, right? It is. Even if you can, you still don't. Um, young people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. So during the elementary years, we moved them. We had no idea how formative prayer time around the dinner table would be. Storytelling at bedtime every night from the time they were toddlers until they were... <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but at least preteen, SJ, older than that. I would lay on the floor in their bedroom and tell them stories. You remember, don't you? Yes, it's Dilbert. I can't find my way home. (laughs) Do you have a map? (laughs) Oh, man, we had some good old times. And the Green Giant, remember the Green Giant? He thought I made that up. You know who the Green Giant is. Sorry, son, you just discovered that today. We'll talk about the Easter Bunny later, okay? (laughs) So, um, never had any idea how influential that that was. Um, You know, the time around the table praying, the trips to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, as they got to be teens when I was less credible and cool, their teachers, their friends, their family's friends, their peers, the retreats, the mission trips, like SJ's mission trip, Melody going to Camp Glisten, going as a camper from the time she's in third grade and then began working there and on staff still today with them. Um, it formed them. And now you, the body of Christ, you continue to guide them. What Karen and I could not do alone, God did through others like you, the body of Christ, like our parents did for us. Yeah, that's me when I was little. Um, like Karen's dad did for her and continues to do for her. Yes, that's little Karen. That's what you want to do, isn't it? I know. I understand. So as I read these words of Paul to Timothy, I recognize that he was building our understanding of faith, even as he was building the church. In this brief illustration to Timothy, he's reminding us, of the covenant nature of the church. How all generations serve the purpose of God. In verse 1 and 2, Paul identifies himself as a spiritual father to Timothy. In verse 3, Paul reminds us that his faith is not new, but it's the faith of his forefathers. In verses 4 and 5, Timothy's faith as a young man brings joy to Paul. He gets excited when he sees the faith in this young man. I get excited when I see the faith in my own son, And in these young people, and all of you, I get excited about it. When people tell their resurrection stories, when they profess Jesus Christ, when they join the church, when they're baptized, it's a a glorious thing. And Paul is thrilled what's happening to Timothy, his protege. In verse 6, Paul and the council of elders, they lay hands on Timothy 
Timothy's mother and grandmother are of faith. We see that the generations support one another in the work of God, and yet we realize how hard it is to be an intergenerational church. But thanks be to God that we, Misty Creek Community Church, is a church that Paul and Timothy envisioned. Although that's not the case for many churches today. I recently heard someone say that they love their church, but it's hard after a full week to drag their kids to church. So we just don't go through that battle, that person said. You want to know something, folks? Church was never an option for me growing up. My mom never had to drag me. I didn't always want to go. Sometimes I'll get up on Sunday mornings and I'll say, I'm tired, honey. I don't feel good. I, I, I'm not going today. She says, you're going to church. You're going. I said, why should I go? She says, honey, you're the pastor. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. I shouldn't have stayed up watching Duke in North Carolina last night. I'm saying, whoo, you know, I really don't ever feel that way. I'm just, I'm just April Fool's. I love, I love being here and doing what God's called me to do. It is a joy. It's something I want to do, that I get to do, that I'm called to do. I don't have to. And I hope you don't ever feel like you have to, you got to, you want to, you need to. And you're hoping that God has something to say to you, and he does. And the main thing that he's saying to you is that I love you. I need you, and I want you. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching today. So... I have folks come up to me, and they'll share with me good news that they think it's not only good news for them, but it's, it's good news for me. They'll say, Pastor, guess what? My kid made the travel team. I'm like, in my heart, well, I say, congratulations, that's wonderful, because we know what our travel ball is all about. Our, both our children have been in travel ball. But in my heart, I'm saying, see you later. We're not going to see much of you around here, are we? And then somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, I got good news for you. It's good news for us, and it's good news for you, too. Guess what? We got a lake house. I'm like, that's good. Maybe we can go to the lake house. Maybe we're riding their boat. But I'm thinking in my heart, see you later. We're not going to see you for a while, are we? But you want to know something? That's not the case with this church. Even folks that have lake houses and have getaways... There's a family on spring break right now. Their kids said to them as they were leaving out of town, is there any way that we can get back by Sunday? I want to be at church. I want to go to my youth group. Isn't that something? I've had people in this church tell me they drove back seven hours so they could be here. And I'm like, don't worry about doing that. We're online now. You can watch us. You can listen to the podcast. But they're like, it's just not the same. There's something about Misty Creek that's different from any place I've ever been, they'll say. And I want to be there. Isn't that beautiful? So I want you to hear me say, because every now and then I'm going to be gone on the weekends and on a Saturday and Sunday. It's okay, folks. But don't forget about your faith and don't forget about your church. We don't take a vacation ever from God. Ever. So tune in. Watch. Even if it's later in the week. And get back to us when you can. I want you to hear that loud and clear, okay? So we're living in an age where generations need each other and are heavily influenced by one another, but they see things differently. What I want to talk to you about today is what I've done for years and what I've, I've learned and what I'm currently doing as I mentor and coach pastors and church planners of various ages. My experience supervising chaplain interns helping them understand that we need each other. And although you may see the world differently, we serve the same Lord. We have one faith, one baptism, this, the same Bible. So I want to talk to you for a few moments, and this is some training for you. I want to talk to you about some cultural realities and some cultural dynamics. We're experiencing a critical loss of the truth with a capital T. There's two types of truth. Is he really going there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much. Okay. I go there every week. Don't you know that by now? So there's a capital T. Okay, and then you've got the smaller T. Let me do this. Okay, okay. So let me explain that to you, and I'll kind of do this briefly. This is good for you to be able to share with others, folks. That's why we're training you today. You're going to take this into the world. I know you'll do it. 
Capital T, God's truth and authority versus today, what's true to me, my truth. The truth is saying there is a truth to our marriages, our morals, and our values. And the truth is God's word. And the truth is saying that there is an absolute truth for our marriages, our morals, and our values. Then there are people that are saying, no, the little t, the only truth I have is what's true for me. I believe there is a sovereign, transcendent truth. How about science? Is he really going there? Yes, I am. Some are saying that science is the servant of either corporations or government. So many doubt the vaccine, education, climate change, the election process, that the government has truth that we need to hold. So we might think we've not been affected by the little t. But you have. The way you are affected depends on your generation. And the way we experience it in the church is through the loss of youth. I said it. Is the loss of youth. Not just a loss of truth, but a loss of youth. But what those youth need and what they desire is truth. They want it. They need it. They may not know it, but they do. And that's where you and I, the multi-generations, come into play. So keep listening. When our children move out of the home, two-thirds will not come back to church. Two-thirds. That will not be forever. When they start having children, they will return, but only one-third of the two-third who have left. There's a huge drop-off coming because of this, especially with the boomers. Many boomers are attending, but as they age out, there could be a huge decline. They're not being replaced by the younger generation. That is the generation of the small T. And not all the younger generations is small T, folks. Like I believe the majority of the young generation here today, they are the big T generation. They're leaning into that. Why is that? Because their parents and grandparents had a part in their lives. They were there. They laid on the floor and told them the stories at night. They went to their ball games and their concerts and their dance recitals. They showed up. You see what I'm saying? Keep listening, okay? There's also a decline of the mature in the church. There are some factors that cause that loss. Denominational integrity. People are leaving denominations not by the thousands, by the millions every year. Talk about that more in a few moments. Retirement. Moving. Vacation homes. Relocation. Those kind of things happen. But there are still two questions that are asked by those 40 and over. You know what I'm going to say. Do they teach the Bible and do they have the worship style I like? That's it. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. It's good, isn't it? Good, isn't it? Yes. And then there's uh, this, the, the 80s. You remember the 80s? Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. You came from heaven to earth. Doug and I have decided that we're going to have a hand motion Sunday. Just kidding. Just joking. You remember? Deep and wide, deep and wide. But then you've got, this is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. Folks, it's worship, regardless of exactly how it's done, as long as it's about the living, breathing God. That's worship, folks, however we do it. If it's not about God, then it's just a clanging symbol, right? An out-of-tune word. Just hang on with me. And there are still plenty of check-off-the-box Christians. You know what that means, don't you? Check off the box. We'll go Easter. You know, we'll, we'll go for that baptism. Might go to Holy Communion next month. You know. Oh, 
Christmas Eve, that's not a knock. That's just how some people are wired. That's how they are. There are other reasons. Empty nesters, they're divorcing. The kids get out of the house, and all they've done is poured into the kids, gone to all their games and practices and everything, everything they've done, work, 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 and then the kids leave, and they're sitting together, and they look at each other, and they say, who the are you? They don't even know who their spouse is because for the last 18, 20 years, it's been about the ones that were this small, now this big. Kids' sports, their schedules, including grandparents, split families sharing the kids, the affluent culture, travel for weeks at a time. I read this post, and I was like, do these people work? It was a, a couple that said they had gone to Disney World, and they stayed at the Port Orleans French Quarter Resort for a month. I'm like, How do you do that? They're not retired. He was 44, she was 39. I was like, good for you marrying a younger woman, but man, how do you do that? I was like, that's nice. Different things. And then online worship is the new normal. Did you know that? I'll watch it when it's convenient. That way I can fast forward through the parts I don't want to watch. I don't want to listen to that. You know what I'm saying? You've done it. I've done it. Don't tell anybody. I just said it. And so I'll watch a podcast. or You don't watch podcasts. That would be weird. You listen to podcasts, right? So I'll listen to Joyce Meyer, Francis Chan. I'll listen to good old Andy. You know who Andy is, don't you? Not Andy Griffith. It's a generational gap right there. You're thinking Andy Griffith, others are thinking Andy Stanley. I'll listen to Louis, not Louis Armstrong, Louis Giglio. I'll listen, I'll listen to Christine Kane, Dr. David Jeremiah. He's amazing. And when I really want to get pumped up, I'll listen to Steve Furtick. I'll listen to Steve Furtick, who's phenomenal, by the way. You think I got energy. Hold on, folks. I'll listen to Priscilla Shire. She is gifted. She's anointed. I'll listen to Jennifer Rothschild or... Joel Osteen. Just give them the benefit of the doubt. Did y'all get that? Y'all didn't pick up on that, did you? There's no knocks there. There's catchphrases. You know there's some with me. You know I say, lehu, zahur a lot. Or I'll say, isn't that something? That's all I'm doing. There's certain phrases that we repeat that identify us as speakers. But I want to be identified as a child of God and a vessel of the Holy Spirit. I don't want it to be about me. Have you seen those preachers, those teachers? Come on. Come on, folks. I'm really bringing it today. Did you hear that? I'm really bringing it today. Who should be bringing it? Right, the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. There is. I used to sit under teaching. That was the pat on the back. I don't sit under that teaching anymore. Whoo! We're not even... We're going to move on here, but we still got some time here. So, regular attendees... Did you know that regular attendees now in church, good attendance for them is three out of eight Sundays? And a lot of that has to do with online. You can watch it online. You can go places. But this is since the pandemic for the last two years. Three out of eight Sundays in person is, is, is good. All of, all of this has effect on the church. But I've got great news for you. Not Misty Creek. You're committed. Everybody in this congregation is serving for, for the most part and involved in acting. If you're not, we need to get you plugged in because we want you to say, I get to serve there. I want to serve there. I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. So overall, though the influence of the church becomes less and less as the culture evolves, a term given to us by the progressives with their progressive gospel. Have you heard of that before? Yeah. The Bible is evolving, progressing. Have you heard that kind of talk before? Let me ask you, can you be progressive and still believe and teach the truth with a big T? Yes, you can. For whatever generation you're in, older generation, progress, progression was a good thing. Let's make some progress. Let's grow. Let's do the lay witness mission. Let's go out to the community and evangelize. Let's witness. That's progressive. That's a good thing. You're making progress, right? So you can teach the truth and still be progressive. The... the the word, the P word, has been changed. The meaning of that has been changed. So there's actually very little difference in the lifestyles of committed Christians and the lifestyles of the secular culture. I'm going to share that with you. Very little difference on our views about abortion, divorce, premarital sex, and alcohol addiction. 
Did you know any of that? So I want to share a little chart with you. This is where I'm going to use my, my chart. Okay, And I have to use these notes because I'm just not good at this kind of thing. Um, we'll leave that up there for now. So my little chart is going to be a little different than you're used to. I need to do my own music during this time so you're not just staring at my lines. Okay, so we're going to begin down here at the bottom, which is going to be hard. Ooh, my back. Shouldn't have played basketball yesterday. All right, so here we go. So you got the evangelicals. We've got some evangelicals here, right? Evangelicals. Okay, so that is about 30% of the population. 30% evangelicals, okay? So believe it or not, though, even though there's 30% of them there, only 15% actually are regular attendees, and your regular attendees attend the three out of eight Sundays. So they're three and eight. That wouldn't be a good record in basketball or baseball. But for church, the church specialists, they say that's actually a pretty good percentage. Go figure that. So this has not changed right here since World War II, this percentage. Okay? Born-again believers has not really changed. But let's move up a little bit. Let's talk about let's talk about the main line. Main line denominations. Okay, so we're looking at that, and that's around 30% too. Okay? Okay, main line. So millions, millions have left mainline denominations. Denominational integrity is what they're calling it. Abandoned attendance. So that's a lot. And you've got the Roman Catholics. I know you've been blocking this, but we'll show it to you in a second. So Roman Catholics, okay. You're like, okay, what's Roman Catholic, Stephen? 20%. Some of you are attached with Roman the Catholics, Catholicism. So can you see that? Is that blocked by that TV? Probably is, or that, whatever that is. Okay, so we got 20% there. And then we've got um, we got 10% over here. It's kind of small. Maybe I should have wrote this higher. But anyway, 10% is your um, your other. Okay. So your other would be Mormon, Islam, Hindu, different traditions, okay? And then let's go over here. We've got, um, yeah, 10% here are what are called um, religious, this is a big word, nominalism. Nominalism. Probably not right, but anyway. So they're, they're spiritual, spiritual, but they're not religious. Spiritual, but not religious. Does that make sense to you? So you're like, what is all this up here? Well, the goal is for all of this to become truth-focused, regardless of where you fall in this, is to become truth-focused. Probably that even add up, does it? What oh, does? 60, 70, 80, 90. Yeah, it's close. 20, close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. Okay. Yeah. And so let's talk about that for a second. Just for a second. Not that long. Um, so our young people, religion in America today, have the weight of the culture on their shoulders, folks. And there is a strong generational divide. And I want to share about the strong generational divide with you now. And this teaching here really shed some light on things for me. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to do some things here just a little bit. Here we go. So we've got the 50-plus... You're like, Stephen, don't pick on me. All right? And then we've got the, make sure I get this right, 40 and under. 40 and under. Let's divide this right now. I don't want to do it like this, but this is the way I'm going to do it. For now, just for illustration. Okay, so um, 50 plus for us, the majority culture, majority of culture, majority culture is Christian. Okay? That's how it was for us that are 50 plus. You probably remember that, okay? And then our goal was to take control of the culture to stop the erosion, okay? Stop the erosion of the culture. No matter what we do, let's stop the erosion of the culture. Number one evil for those 50 and up, for us, growing up and still pretty much this day, number one evil, abortion. Y'all remember that? You'll do, don't you? Okay. Uh, another, this is real, folks. Get ready for this one. Is, get ready. Nobody's going to do this in church, but I'm going to do it. 
homosexual agenda. Okay, I'm talking about 50 plus here now. Y'all get this? Okay, 50, homosexual agenda. And then, especially my generation, we started becoming really concerned with porn. Gosh, is he talking about that in church? I'm embarrassed. Okay, drugs. Okay, illegal. You like that noise? Immigration. Immigration. I still can spell. I didn't have that spelled on here. Okay, so there you go. All right, you 40 and under, okay, what's he going to put down for us? Here we go. So, minority Christian culture. How about that? And that's the influence of the world. Okay? How about that? Okay. And concern for especially the believers that are in this generation is to make credible Christianity. Make credible. A lot of pressure was y'all watching me spell. You know there's some English teachers in here like that is not right. Okay. Make credible Christianity. Right? Maybe. Okay, so they are about stopping the abortion, but here's how they do it. They're having conversations, compassionate conversations about adoption. Don't abort your child. Put your child for adoption. I'll adopt your child. We're seeing this, especially the mid-20s, early 30s are adopting kids out like, like crazy. We're seeing it. And they're going through organizations where they're not asking specifically this is what I want. Whoever is available. We'll take whoever is available. Whatever child is not wanted or needed or could be aborted. That's different, folks. See, I left the E off. You didn't call me out on it, but I did it. I put it on there. Somebody finally says, finally they were holding their breath. <gasps> and I put it on there like, <sighs> Okay, so we've got adoption here. We've got conversations. I'm just going to put conversations. I don't write all this stuff. Conversations about sex trafficking. Conversations about drug rehab. Conversations about mental illness and how to help people. This generation didn't know. Didn't have the resources. Just figured, you know, they'll get over it. As you got a, you know, a little older, just put them on ADD medication. Get them some Ritalin. When it could have been an actual mental illness. People in biblical times, folks... When somebody had a mental illness, they just thought it was a demon possession. They didn't give any credit to the mental illness. Okay? So they have conversations about drug addiction. Um, they talk about counseling centers and clinics that can help people. Refugee care and creation care. You know, these people were always talking about, oh, those tree huggers. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where they're talking about care for creation, creation care. Care for the immigrants. Care for the homeless. Care for the refugees. Okay? And so you got this side here looking over and saying to this side, you're compromising. You're compromising. Compromising. Spell it out and you'll get it. Compromising. You're cowards, even. It's what this... Generation may be saying to this generation over here. But this one over here is saying, well, you have, you don't have any compassion. Where's your compassion? You know, they're saying you don't love. That gone it. Not log. No log. Looking for log. No, it's looking for love. No love. No love. You don't have any compassion. You're going back and forth. You're compromising. You don't have any compassion. You're cowards. You don't love anybody. Going back and forth, and it becomes this battle that's going on. But yet we all agree, this is the Christian culture now, we all believe that we must carry the gospel into the culture. We are together on the same page with that, folks. We're together on the same page with affirming the truth of the Scripture. That's good, isn't it? We're together that the Bible should be, needs to be, must be the agenda, the Bible. 
And we agree, how do we make credible the gospel Christianity? This group over here thought, well, everybody's a believer. And a lot of these folks came to faith through their grandparents, through their parents. Okay? A lot in this generation, career-driven parents, latchkey kids, living with grandparents, adopted, struggling, um, need the church, but don't know that they need it. And they will say to you, many will say, if you ask them, you don't go to church, why don't you go to church? Nobody's ever invited me. I don't feel like there's a place for me there. Look around, this, look around you. Now, we're missing like 20-some people today because people at this church tell me when they're not going to be here. And there's still a lot of people here. Look at the generations here, multi, outside, online. You see what I'm getting at, folks? Because we have a commonality. I'm going to share that with you briefly. So the Bible is the agenda, and the message of the gospel is to be taken into the world. The message of the gospel. We must partner with other generations and not criticize them. Did you just hear that? Partner and not criticize. Those young people, they're going to hell in a handbasket. Well, those old people, they're bigots. They're racist. You know, going back and forth at each other. Did you know that 10% of the population is over, <laughs> over 50? Just 10%, folks. Those under 15 make up more than 50% of the world's population. I need to say that to you again. Because you, did he just say that right? 10% of the population is 50 and over. Those under 15 make up 50% of the world's population. A majority of those that come to faith are 15 and under. I experienced this in youth ministry. I knew. I told parents at confirmation when their kids would come in at sixth grade and all. I said, please, stay with your kids in confirmation on this journey because this is the most influential years of their lives. And you need to stay connected with them in confirmation. Go on the retreats with them. Come to Sunday school some. You don't have to be there every week. Come sit in on what we're doing so you can be a part of their faith journey and you can be a part of the greatest decision they're going to make. Don't miss out on that. And yet there were many who still missed out on it. It was just a hoop for them to jump through. Check off the box. That's got to stop. That's the problem. That's why there's such a gap. There's such a, a fall off, folks. Well, my kids go to this school or my kids go here. They get what they need. No. It does not replace koinonia. Koinonia is Christian family. It's fellowship with the living God. It's being present together. Being intentional, I don't got to do it. I get to, I want to, and I'm not doing it for a grade. But I am. I am sharing the gospel and making a difference because there is a reward, and that reward is heavenward. That reward is eternity. That reward is with Jesus. That's the reward. And we all want that, don't we? We not only want it, we need it. Because life is hard, but God is always good. You know, many in our culture are not married. And for the first time in America, first time in American history, listen to this. The majority of the U.S. population is single. But who do we minister to in the church? Families, right? But the majority of the population now in the United States is single. We must stop arguing over our differences on social media and crucifying each other for everybody to see on social media. Instead, share the love of Jesus. How would Jesus respond to that post? The redemptive work of Jesus is not just me. It's not just Doug. The redemptive work of Jesus is not just me. It's we. It's we. We. This was, right, this was evident right after Pentecost and in the Acts church. Grace was in them all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in each other's languages. And the church began to grow in number. Thousands grew in number that day and they began to break bread with one another and fellowship with one another and have holy communion with one another. And people were coming to Christ left and right and there were so many the disciples couldn't baptize them all. There were so many. It was glorious. All generations, all ages, all races, all cultures were coming together. That's what God intended the church to be. Not this group and that group and this color and that color and this party and that party. It's nothing like that. We must stop arguing over our differences and love each other 
We are to live in covenant with one another, to give our lives away rather than being consumers and taking for me, myself, and I. It's all about me and what I want. It's about giving yourself away, giving to others, making a difference. We see this in marriage. I'll counsel couples. I'll hear the question, is she going to make me happy? The question is, are you willing to be what she needs? I'm willing to be everything that my wife needs me to be, especially with what her parents are going for. And I'm going through, not going far. I'll drive three or four times a week, three and a half hours. I'll do whatever it takes to be who she needs me to be, who her mom and daddy need me to be, who he needs me to be. I'll come sit with you as you're sick and you're struggling with life and you don't want to live anymore. I'll come sit with your mama in hospice and I'll hold her hand with a mask on. I'll do that. And just be, just be. You see, this is what you, many of you out here, can teach your children and your grandchildren and young people to be, to be present, to love people regardless. The young people can teach you that. You may say, I can't believe you're dating that boy with all those tattoos and all that stuff. You know? You see beyond that to the heart. You get to know that boy or that girl whatever their differences may be. And you'll realize we're not so different after all. Folks, there are not great people. There are not great people. There is only a great Jesus. And that Jesus exists within you through his Holy Spirit. He's alive and he makes you great. That's why I can say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not great. I stink, to be honest with you. But he makes me great. For he's great. And he's grand and he's wonderful. If there's anything good in us, it's only because of Jesus. You know, over the years, I've lost some of my shine in some circles. But you want to know something? Jesus shines more than ever through me. It's his Holy Spirit that is seen other than Steve in the street. So I don't care what those circles may say about me. I'm only concerned about what God thinks. And am I doing enough for you, God? Am I following you and serving you the way you deserve me to? That's who I am now. I realized that I'm not always right. I used to think I was right about everything. I'm not. Some of you men, some of you women, you think you're always right. You've got this perspective. I've got this education. I went to this school. I did this. I've learned I've got a lot of blind spots. I've got a lot of growing edges. I am a work in progress, and so are you. You're a work in progress. And God is creating in me, and he's creating in you a new and a clean heart. He's restoring us every time we gather in his presence. Even as that's at your kitchen table in the morning, reading your devotion or your Bible or your 40-day Advent devotion that we gave you. He's restoring you and delivering you more into his likeness and into his image. I'm learning to honor others above myself. I'm learning to look through his eyes, not my eyes, which is narrow. Learning to look through his eyes and to see those that are hurting around me. Even if they have masks on, I can see it in the eyes. When I'm walking through the hospital and through assisted living, and I see those tired, weary eyes and the body language, I know there's an opportunity for me to minister and to bring some joy to this person. So it's about others. He's restoring me. And I'm learning to honor others above myself. The world is decaying rapidly, folks. Don't you see it? But Jesus is not. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. He's always relevant. What will unite us? Yesterday, Jaden and SJ made a little video. I don't know if you saw it. And at the end of the video... Jaden says, what will unite us? And he said it in a wonderful way. I love the way he said that. Big, bulky, strong guy. What will unite us? Christ. Christ alone will unite us. For he alone is the cornerstone on which all others are built. He is the cornerstone. 
in Christ alone. Lord, as we close our eyes, we realize that you are the cornerstone. You are the rock on which we stand. And Lord, we, we want this generational gap to just totally go away and to disappear. We want you to bring us together, Lord, to not criticize each other, to not put each other down, but to instead learn from each other. To go to Bible studies together and prayer groups together and to do fun things together. Not to just say, well, this is for the 18 to 25-year-olds and this is for the 40 to 50-year-olds and this is for the 80 to 90-year-olds, but it's for all of us together, God's kingdom. And so, Lord, we ask that this morning, that Misty Creek would be that, would be your church without borders, without barriers, without age requirements. We know we can do it, Lord, because that's what you did. You came to bring the gospel truth to a broken, hurting humanity. And you've empowered and equipped us to be children of the marvelous light. In you there is no darkness, there's only light. And so this morning we would pray that you would bring us all together, everywhere around the world, Lord, to bring us together, unified as one through Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.